before I begin this morning, I want to share something with you. I'm going to share this during the morning service as well, um, because we want this to actually be on the recordings for the web, um, both for the Sunday school and for the worship. So I need to share it twice. Uh, the gal who does the work for us, Angie, um, who puts all, all of our CDs on the website, our, or our um, sermons and the Sunday school teacher on the website, she has the ability to pull down how many downloads and where the downloads are. And I thought you would find this interesting. I find it fascinating. Um, this is since 2015, right? So since 2015, we've had approximately 40,000 people listen to either a sermon or a Sunday school class since 2015. I know. So the, here's the big numbers, okay? 60.76% of all the downloads since we started it are done in Japan. 31% of them are done in the United States. 3% are done in Germany. One and a quarter percent in France. A little over 1% in the United Kingdom. A little over 1% in Canada. 1% in Spain. Um, less than 1% for all these other countries. Nepal, Netherlands, India, South Africa, um, Hashemet, Kingdom of Jordan, Singapore, Australia, Philippines, Kenya, Malaysia, Jamaica, Ghana, uh, Trinidad, and, Trinidad and Tobago, Uganda, China, Italy, and Colombia. Isn't that amazing? So, um, Tokyo is the big place. All time, there's 8,351 downloads in Tokyo. In the last 12 months, 3,654. Here's an interesting thing, though. Over the last six months, <clears throat> there's some people that are listening to us in Boardman, Oregon. In the last six months, there's been 1,089. In the last three months, 513. We average um, some 225 people are, or excuse me, 225 downloads or so a week of either a sermon or a Sunday school lesson from Ariola Bible Church. Isn't that something? So if you're downloading this and are listening, drop us a note. We want to know who you are and what's going on in your life, all right? We think that'd really be cool. So we think that'd be fun. Anyway, I, I find this remarkably fascinating. Every once in a while, Angie will give me this piece of paper, and a while back she said, we should share that. I said, we should share that. So isn't that something? There you go. So... Truly, the Word of God is going around the world from Areola Bible Church. Who would have known? Uh, they can just do it on the web. They're, you just push a button and they'll email us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, old-fashioned. That's exactly right. That's how it works. Yes? We don't. I don't even know what it is, but we don't need one. I... I we're set. Anyway, so, anyway. Here's the, uh, she should have downloaded how many people in the United States come from Cortez, Dolores, and so on. You people are not good at this, apparently. Le less than 50 all time from right here in our own neighborhood? 
Yeah, not all the time. When you miss, you I expect you to have not. That's less than 50 all the time. Oh, there you go. Oh, good. Nice save. All right. All right. Today we want to continue our study in the book of Revelation. And as we went through the first couple of chapters of this, chapter 1 is simply the introduction to John and the vision. Uh, Jesus Christ, a great big overview type thing. Chapters 2 and 3 are the seven um, letters to the seven churches. Um, Then as we get going here, the next five chapters are the vision that John sees in heaven. And um, we have some neat things going on with that. He says in the beginning, of, we're going to look at chapters 4 and 5 today. He says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And so something changes, and all of a sudden John is getting a vision. I, I want to I share a couple of interesting things with you. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I, I find it fascinating that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 we read, Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. So I want you to to know that when Paul was taken up into glory in a unique way, he saw things that he wasn't permitted to talk about. He saw things that were so much that he couldn't really talk about them. But God has given us a little bit of a vision of those things because we read in in, in Ezekiel a little bit, in Isaiah a little bit, and in Revelation. So the reason I wanted to go to chapter 12 and remind you of those verses is I want you to know that what we're about to get into are things that are truly high and lofty and amazing. They're overwhelming. And especially what we're going to look at in in chapters 4 and 5 here, they're just, they're overwhelming. Then after that, we will get into the vision of what's going to happen, and, and obviously we'll deal with that a little time as we go through this, but... We begin moving as Revelation changes, if you will, and all of a sudden we see things in heaven that are just phenomenally amazing and remarkable. Okay? And that's what we're looking at. So in Revelation chapter 4, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me and said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after these things. That would have been something. He is about to write to us what he saw in some detail through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because a voice said, come up here. I want to show you some things. And I want you to notice throughout chapter 4 we're going to read some amazing descriptions of things. And the first voice which I heard 
like that of a trumpet speaking with me. And that, you know, when you hear that expression, you can think of fullness, attention-grabbing. Um, it was bold. It was, it was loud. And this voice said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. What an amazing thing John was about to get the privilege to be a part of. Okay? And what an amazing thing when we think about it that we are about to be able to read and understand certain things that have been hidden to a certain degree. It says in verse 2, immediately I was in the Spirit. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Now, I want to remind you of what we just read in 2 Corinthians. Because Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. How in the world did John get there and what is going on? We don't know. How did this take place? We, we, we don't know. What was going on here? We don't really know. And one of the things that I want to make sure that I encourage you with on a regular basis in Revelation is there are a lot of things we don't need to know. Do not allow your curiosity to stop you from seeing what God wants you to see in Revelation. Okay? We don't need to know what God didn't tell us. We know that immediately he was taken up and there he was and he is, he is before a throne, it says. I was in the Spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were 24 elders, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now, <clears throat> I would say, picture this scene, but I, it, that doesn't do it justice. He was, who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. This is just one of those things that God's on the throne, and it's just an overwhelming thing that's going on here. The jasper and the sardonyx was a, uh, on the breastplate of the high priest. This talks about the sovereign protector of Israel. The emerald, there's this great big glow of this emerald that is on the throne, around the throne that, that just absolutely makes um, <clears throat> the Lord jump out in amazing ways, makes God just shine. We see around the, the throne there were 24 thrones. And upon these thrones I saw 24 elders sitting. These elders are clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. The crowns here um, have the terminology in this verse about being victor's crowns. Something about being victorious. And the Bible has that picture and sometimes that phrase that he who overcomes is a victor. That you, you will get a crown of, of victory, if you will. So, <clears throat> who are the 24 elders? We don't know. We do not know who they are. There's a lot of suggestions for that. There's some who have said they're angels. I, that I think you can reject. I don't think they're angels. Some have said that they're the leaders of the tribes of Israel and the and the twelve to, um, the apostles. I don't think that's the case because we see some other things later on with Israel. Um, I think the best way to do this is that they are simply elders that have been people that have been put on the throne that are that are um, representing all of redeemed humanity down through the ages. Okay. That's what I think it is. Nobody has a really good answer for this. 
No matter what you read, you're going to get a couple theories. You're going to get people to say, I think it might be this. I think it might be that. I, it is interesting um, that I learned in my research when I was doing this that, that in the Old Testament, the, the, priest, the priestly system was divided into 24 different orders. And so if they had a meeting of all of the, all of, all of the leaders of the priests throughout the nation, 24 people would come. So I think that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, is all that, you know, it's just interesting <clears throat> that there's 24 of them, but somehow I think that they are representing all of the redeemed. They're in white garments, and they have the, the, the crown of victory on their head, golden crowns on their heads. And then we read this, Out of the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. We've seen the seven spirits of God before. I think the best way to understand that is a description of the Holy Spirit in His fullness. Um, we can go back to Isaiah and Ezekiel, and you read some passages that kind of lend themselves toward that. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge, reverence, and deity are the, are the things that are mentioned for the Holy Spirit there in in. Uh, Isaiah 11 and, and, and um, Zechariah, I said Ezekiel, I think earlier, Zechariah chapter 4, and, and, and it's, it's representing the Holy Spirit in His fullness. And again, it's interesting that the Bible simply throws this out without a clear explanation of what it is, okay? You're not supposed to know everything about heaven yet. You're just supposed to get a glimpse. That's all. He wants you to get a glimpse. And, and the glimpse that he wants you, to get, wants you to get is a glimpse that you come away with saying, wow, oh my, or whatever word you put in there, okay? That's the glimpse that he wants you to get, I think, all right? I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 1, <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 1. Because I want to run with that, I want you to get a glimpse. And in getting that glimpse, I want you to be in awe of the Lord God Almighty and what heaven is and what your home, where your home will be one day. Because that's exactly what went on with Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 1, <clears throat> it says that Ezekiel came and the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest... And it says in verse 4, As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it. And in its midst something like a glowing metal in the midst of the fire. <clears throat> Within it there were figures resembling four living beings, and this was their appearance. And they had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like calves' hooves, and they gleaned. Uh, they gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, were human hands. As for the faces and the wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another. Their faces did not turn when they moved. Each went straight forward. As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right and the face of a bull on the left, and the four had a face of an eagle. <clears throat> Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above. Each had two touching another being and two covering their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. 
the fire was bright and lightning was flashing from the fire and the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. Now as I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel in the earth beside the living beings for each of the four of them. The appearance of the wheels and their workmanship like, was like sparkling barrel and all four of them had the same form, their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel were within another. Whenever they moved, they moved in any of their four directions without turning as they moved. As for their rims, they were, they were lofty and awesome, and rims of all four of them were full of eyes round about. Whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them, and whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction, and the wheels rose close beside them, for the Spirit of the living being was in the wheels. Whenever those went, wherever those went, these went, and whenever these stood still, these stood still. And whenever those rose from the earth, the wheels rose close beside them, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. Now over the heads of the living being, there was something like an expanse, like an awesome gleam of crystal spread over their heads. Under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight to one another. Each one also had two wings covering its body on one side and on the other. I also heard the sound of their wings like the sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse that was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Now, above the expanse was over their heads. There was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli in appearance, and on that which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance from his loins and upwards something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it, and from the appearance of his loins and downward I saw something like fire, and there was a radiance around him. As an appearance of the rainbow and the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance surrounding, uh, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice speaking. And then he said, Son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And he spoke to me. The Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking. And then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you will say to them, Thus says the Lord God. As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. One of the things that we need to get a handle on in our lives right now is that the Bible has done certain things for us that we might see God, be overwhelmed by God, and then understand that God has said, I want you to do a task for me. And the reason why then we're going to do that task for Him is because we have seen Him and we are overwhelmed by Him and we can hardly wait to be with Him and we are motivated by what we've seen to be the kind of people we should be. We need to catch a vision of God. One of the problems with our world today is that we have taken this remarkable, undescribable, if you will, because even as you read Ezekiel chapter 1, it's kind of out there, right? It's an interesting chapter. We have taken the almighty, undescribable God, and what we've done in Christianity today, especially in our society, is we've brought him down to us, and we said, let's make sure that God is completely understandable. Let's make God, sure that God is pretty much on our level so that we can relate to him, and we can be buds, and then life will be grand. 
And what the Bible says is, keep God where he belongs, stand in awe of him, be overwhelmed with him every now and again, spend some time with him, and fall on your face and listen to what he has to say. That's what the Bible says. And we're not very good at that in our world today, and we need to get better at that. And one of the reasons why we're not committed as we ought to be, I think, and one of the reasons why we're not faithful in the way that we ought to be sometimes, and one of the reasons why we're not doing the jobs that we ought to be doing sometimes is because we've brought God down to our level, and it's no big deal that our bud has tell us to, told us to do this because, well, he's just our bud. Put God back on his throne, folks. Put God back on his throne and be amazed by him and be overwhelmed by him and understand that God may be saying to you, I'm sending you to people. And I am sending you to people who are rebellious people. I'm sending you to people who have rebelled against me and rejected me. They have transgressed against me to this very day. And I'm sending them to you. They're stubborn and they're obstinate. And you are going to stand in their midst and say, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they listen or whether they don't listen, it doesn't matter. Your job is to stand and proclaim so that they will know that there's been a person of God in their midst. And the vision of God is going to help you do that. Okay? You need to catch a vision of God in your life so that you are going to be willing to be that person that will stand up for Him and do what you need to do. And we need to sometimes read passages like Ezekiel and passages like um, Revelation 4 and 5 and we need to stop analyzing them and we need to stop picking them to death and we need to look at those passages and say, wow, this is God. And that God has asked me to represent him on this earth for a while. How could I possibly not? That's part of what needs to happen here. That's part of why we want to study Revelation. Okay? And don't you find it interesting that Revelation that was written about 560 B.C. is pretty similar to what was written by John in about 90 A.D.? God says, look. Now, I understand they're a little different, and there's some uniquenesses between them, and Ezekiel focuses on some things that John never mentions. I get that. But by and large, both these boys saw God on the throne. And they did their best to explain it to the people that were going to read it. And the people who then read it, read it and said, yeah, I, I don't know, that's pretty out there. But we need to catch a vision of God. I want to remind you again, make sure, read Ezekiel chapter 2 on a regular basis. It's an amazing chapter. They may not listen to you. That's all right. They will know. They will know that there's been a man or a woman of God in their midst. That's your job is to be the man or woman of God in their midst. What they do with that is up to them, not you. You've done your job. Okay? And that's what Ezekiel did. All right, let's go back to Revelation. And so it says beginning in verse number 5 here, as John is describing heaven, which is a world of 
dazzling, brilliant light. And it's a world of dazzling, brilliant light that is refracting and reflecting and shining through jewels and crystals. I don't care how good you are and how amazing technology is and how wonderful animation is, we'll never be able to picture it properly. We just can't do it. Okay? It's just not going to happen. All right? This is way beyond our ability to completely understand or comprehend. Way beyond. Okay? The very idea that it says here that that it, it, it says that out of the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, eye, full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third lion had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive the glory and the honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. Wow, what a place this is. Well, we can't even comprehend this. The, 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 the thunder and the lightning. And John couldn't even get a handle on it. He says, and before the throne there was something like a sea of glass like crystal, like this, kind of like that. I can't even describe it. It is so overwhelming. And he, desc- and he describes these four living creatures, and, and, and they're probably angels. We read about them in Ezekiel. We, 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 we see something like this in Isaiah that we'll turn to in, in just a moment here. We see that there's some amazing things that are going on with these, these guys we see that, that they have been created and that they are probably, people say that probably these four living creatures are representing the wild and the domestic and the flying and the man. They're kind of representing all of creation because creation's thrown into the mix in verse 11. And so these are probably representing all of those things that God has made. And we have this remarkable picture of God that blows us away because it's not like anything else that we describe. And certainly, if we were to describe a throne of God, that's not how we would describe it. Okay? We would probably come up with some different things. This is an amazing thing. This is overwhelming. Okay? As I said, one of our problems is we tend, because we, we, we can't get to where we need to go, we tend to take God down. And we tend to, to make God very much like ourselves. Okay? And we tend to, to put Him in a box so that we can get a handle on Him. God's not intended to get a handle on. We want to keep God different. We want to be totally unique in all of those things. Okay? And I think that it's a real problem in our world that, that, we, that we tend to say that I can, I can get a handle on God. No, you can't. 
You, you can understand a lot of what he has said and a lot of what he has done here, but God has placed himself high and lofty above us for a reason. Okay? He doesn't want that. I can remember before they opened up the temple up in Monticello, and, and we took youth kids up and we toured and stuff like that, when we got to the celestial room where they said that after all of us unclean people were done, that that's where God would hang out, I thought, what a disappointment. This is a really boring room. I mean, come on. If God's going to hang out, fix it up. I mean, really, this is a remarkable description, is it not? This is amazing. Okay. And then I want you to notice what it does in verses 8 through 11. It says that these living creatures, day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. Now, flip on back to Isaiah, chapter 6. And Isaiah wrote these words, give or take, around 700 B.C. So, about 800 years earlier, Isaiah wrote that he saw a vision. He saw the Lord sitting in a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his temple filling, road of his, uh, train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, two he flew. One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. As I've said many, many times, I heard years ago, and I thought it was the greatest statement, and I repeated it over and over again, God didn't trot him out for the sake of Isaiah and then put him away and trot him out again for the sake of John and then put him away. This is what's going on in heaven all the time. Okay? Now, a lot of people, and we've talked about this a little bit, but a lot of people say, well, if, if heaven's all about just kind of hanging around and, and, and singing and stuff, I'm not all that excited about it. I want you to notice that the task of these four living creatures is to do this. This isn't your task. You're not doing this constantly. The four living creatures are doing this constantly. Okay? And I want you to think about this. Of all of the things that could be declared about God and sung about God from when God expressed it to us first all the way back with Isaiah until God expressed it to us again in Revelation and we can assume that before that and after that obviously okay because that's how God works with all of the things that the four living creatures could be expressing about God I want you to notice what they chose what God has them declare holy 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 there's a lot of attributes of God aren't there Holy, holy, holy is the one that is being declared about him in heaven. Isn't that interesting? I want you to ponder that, and I hope you ponder that throughout the day. Okay? Because this is our struggle. This is one of our struggles. Holy is not what we do best. Because holy is being separate. Holy is being completely other. Be holy because I am holy, God says. Holiness matters to God. I'm not like the foreign gods. I'm not like the created beings. I'm not like what you can imagine. I'm holy. I'm different. You need to be holy like me. Okay? And this is, this is important enough 
that these four living creatures are regularly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We serve a holy God. And it is amazing to think about them. The picture we read in Ezekiel and the picture we read in Revelation, the praise we read about in Isaiah and the praise we read about in Revelation, that that God has chosen to take up residence in us. How about that? And that's something. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and they'll worship Him who lives forever and ever. Notice there's a theme here, forever and ever. And will cast their crowns before the throne and they will say, Worthy are You, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things. And because of Your will they existed. And they were created not for any other reason except your will. You are deserving of these things. You are the one who deserves these things. You are the amazing one. We want to worship you. I want you to catch a vision of God. I want you to think about it. I want you to read this, read, read Ezekiel, read Isaiah 6 catch a vision of God and understand that He is different than us. And yet He has said, I live inside of you and I want to use you to accomplish my work on this earth. Okay? This is, this is our great call in many ways. I, you know, there's a lot of things that we can say we ought to be doing, but if, if you can get holy down, it seems like completely other, Okay? Holy doesn't mean that you're a boring person. Completely other. If you can get holy down, it seems like a lot of the other attributes that we're supposed to be practicing in our life will fall into place. Maybe that's why it's so important. How's that going with your being holy? Well, He is worthy, and He is holy, and He is to be worshipped. This is a remarkable scene. Then John says in chapter 5, something goes on. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. So we see that John then notices that God who is on the throne, he's holding a book. And this book is unique in the fact that it's written on the inside and the back and it's written all over and John can see that somehow. But it's sealed up with seven seals. And verse 2 says this, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. Who is worthy to take this book that is about to deal with judgment? Who is worthy to take the book and do something with it? And the invitation was made to all of creation, if you will. And nobody stood up and said, I am worthy, I can do it. I am worthy to take the book that deals with judgment. I'm able to do that. No one is able to do it. 
No one in heaven, nobody on the earth, nobody under the earth was able to open the book or even look into it. It's a sacred book that deals with the judgment of God. And of course, judging someone or something indicates that you have authority over someone or something. Nobody was able to do it. And verse 4 says this, and John, he says, Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. Because if the scroll can't be opened... The final judgment of God cannot begin, and, and sin will be left unchecked forever. Okay, that's, his, that's the issue. The reason why we need, to, we need to go ahead and understand that the judgments of God are a good and proper thing is because sin and the world of unrighteousness will be judged, and sin will be dealt with finally and forever. Let's move on. Okay, as Trevor did a great job of pointing this out last week after he read Genesis chapter 2, today we read Genesis chapter 3. We're reading about the mess that we're in. And the mess that we're in will continue until finally these scrolls are opened and judgment against sin begins and we move on to another day. Do you understand that every issue of your life Every problem, every disappointment, every woe, every um, lack of perfection in your body, every ache, every pain, every sneeze, every cough, every issue you have physically, every emotional problem you struggle with, every disappointment that you're dealing with, every sin you face and encounter is because of what happened in the garden. And because that sin is your sin. Every single issue, every broken thing, every, every bent thing, every incomplete thing, every inadequate thing, everything. And this world will continue to be in this situation until finally sin is dealt with. And sin, although victory was at the cross, we still have sin, don't we? Okay? We still do. It's still there. He hasn't wiped it out yet. Well, Revelation is about the Lamb saying, enough. We're done. And sin and unrighteousness will be no more. That's what Revelation is. And Revelation is, 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 is expressing to us how it is that God's going to go through and do that and as he is dealing with sin and unrighteousness he is at the same time saying understand who I am and believe in me until finally time is up and he says we're done everyone who's going to be saved has been saved that's it we're done okay that's what we're going to study as we go through this book all right so that's why John was weeping that was the problem Sin is, is running amok. It's running unchecked. It's, it's, it's out of control. And it will continue to be that way until these things come to pass that we're reading about in Revelation. Now, when we pass from this earth and we leave this fleshly body, we're in heaven, that issue for us is over as individuals, but it continues on this earth until finally judgment. And so he began to weep, it says, in verse 4. Verse 5 then says... And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, 
has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. There is a worthy one. There is a worthy one. And John says this in verse 6, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing. As if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Throughout the book of Revelation, and as we've already seen, we have seen Jesus described in a ton of different ways. In chapters 2 and 3 we saw it. Chapter 1 we saw it. We're seeing it now in chapter 5. Jesus is described in all sorts of different ways. And isn't it amazing that some of the, some of the things... And, and, and you can't read Revelation without understanding that, that God is tied to the nation of Israel still. He has not abandoned or given up. God is still working with Israel in some amazing ways. The church hasn't replaced Israel. Here it is. It's screaming out. I'm still a part of Israel in their history. Okay? The lion that is from the tribe of Judah. The root of David. Those are the promises that were given all through the Old Testament. This is where the Messiah will come from. And then John takes that great, exa- that great picture that we got all the way back with Abraham when he offered his son Isaac, all the way back to the Passover and everywhere in between, John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God, and now it's the Lamb who is in heaven that is worthy to open up the scrolls. What an amazing, remarkable, fantastic picture. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. And look at what it says in Daniel chapter 7, verses just 13 and 14. Well, actually, let's go ahead and read verse 9 and and forward. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were burning fire. There's that wheel thing again. And, and we have the fire image again. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from bef- before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and midrids upon midrids were standing before him. The court sat, the books were opened. And then verse 13, And I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed because he is the Lamb who is worthy. And again, we see a picture of God and the throne, and we see a picture of the Lamb and the one who died on the cross to pay the price of sin for all of humanity that will be in heaven one day. Back to Revelation. We see the seven spirits again with Jesus. The seven spirits of God, again, that fullness representing everything that God is. Verse 7 says, And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. The Lamb took the book because he is worthy. He is worthy. He paid the price. He conquered death. And he is worthy to take the book. He is worthy to judge sin. He is worthy to be the ruler in your life. He is worthy of all of those things. Okay? And when he had taken the book, 
The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God, and your blood, men from er with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be like a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Isn't that a cool thing? Worthy are you, because you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I want you to notice the terminology. We saw this earlier. Um, I, I notice the terminology um, in, in, in verse number 9 here. Okay, every tongue and tribe and people and nation. If you, uh, just, um, I was about to say. The proper terminology that we should use when we're talking about people or tribes and tongues and people and nations and cultures, not races. Stop using the word race if you use the word race. It's not a good word to use. Because race implies these people from this and these people from this and these people from this the Bible says that it's these people from this Adam and Eve and God okay that's how it is and you don't read that in the Bible you read people and tribe and tongue and nation and 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 we've been divided into cultures those are all fine terms uh, race is a very divisive very it, it, it's a word that Christians really ought not to use in my opinion I would encourage you to use different words. I, I like the fact that he says, all oh, these people are going to be part of it. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. You wonder what you're going to do throughout all eternity? You're going to reign upon the earth. How does that look? Well, we'll see some of it later on, but that should be good enough, shouldn't it? Verse 11, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was midrids and midrids and thousands and thousands. You know how we always, around Christmas time, we always celebrate the fact that, that there, were, there were just an, an innumerable amount of angels that came to announce the birth of Christ? Well, I, I think that, that probably that number is really small compared to this number we're reading now. And it said with a loud voice, all of these angels, and the other translations of this particular voice say thousands upon thousands and ten thousand, times ten thousand is what some of the other versions say. Thousands and millions. It's an innumerable number. And they say with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and the sea and all the things in them, I heard them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and glory and uh, blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped. Don't you think at this point John would have just said, I, I need to go now. I've, I've seen enough. This is pretty overwhelming. Let me just share this with the folks. We'll wow them. We'll overwhelm them. We'll amaze them. Let's just do this. 
and it's just begun. It's just begun. What a remarkable picture of heaven, huh? What a remarkable thing that has gone, that, that, that John has given us, that the Lord has given us a, a glimpse into what will happen when judgment begins, when all of these things take place. And, and notice how amazing it is in heaven, all right? In heaven, Jesus Christ is exalted in a remarkable way, right? In these chapters, we've seen this. In chapter 5, Jesus Christ is, re- is exalted in an amazing way. He's lifted up in remarkable ways, right? Okay? Those of us who are in the church, those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, those who have been made priests, those who have been taken, that were not a people and now are a people, those who were not a part of God but now are a part of God, we as people had better get with the program and be exalting Jesus Christ right now. That's the point. That's what we need to be doing now. We don't need to wait until we get to heaven. Let's do it now. We need to be exalting Jesus Christ. Okay? It's about His glory and His honor. And certainly as we gather together in the thing that we're about to start that we happen to call a worship service, it ought to be about exalting and worshiping Jesus Christ, the Lamb. Because look what He did for us that we can have a relationship with Him. Okay? I know that we have issues. I know that we struggle. I know that life beats us up. I know that there are sin issues and all sorts of things out there. But if we can't read those two chapters and think, wow, aren't you something, then we need to reevaluate whether we even belong to him or not. I mean, honestly. Look at who he is. Look at the picture that he has painted. And then we need to read these things and read these things and read these things and understand that that's who he is and we need to be doing it on our on the earth in our life right now, worshiping the Lamb, honoring the Lamb, celebrating the Lamb, proclaiming the Lamb, and then be an Ezekiel. Take that vision and go out and represent Him well, understanding that that's who you're doing it for. You're shining for that God who is pictured in these chapters. What an amazing thing. Father, thanks for our time in this class this morning. Thanks for the words that you have given us in Ezekiel, in Daniel, in Revelation, other portions of Scripture where you have given us a glimpse. Paul said he couldn't even talk about it. It was so amazing. We get, we see that. It's, 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 it's hard to comprehend. What we do comprehend is this. The Lamb is worthy. And to Him belongs honor and glory and praise for giving us eternal life, for paying for our sins, for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Lamb is worthy. Fill us with praise. Fill us with the desire to serve, to represent you, to shine for you, that people in our world would know that there has been a man or woman of God in my midst. Father, do that work in us, we pray in Jesus' name.